0: Welcome back, everybody, into Talk Off. We're all here, me, Daz, and Jake. It is Tuesday, January 24th, and we're back for another episode. And Chris, Luisa Rise is no longer a Minnesota twin. He is a Miami Marlin. What a trade over the weekend. Let me hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, this one shocked me, honestly. I, I knew – we all knew that
1: Crazy. Pablo Lopez was – on the on the trade block and the Marlins were going to be looking to make a move with him but boy did I not expect this to be a trade between the Minnesota Twins and them dishing out the reigning al
0: batting champion Zach they dish out Louisa a guy who is still young 25 years old I believe and the guy just just flat out hits the ball and he goes to the Marlins which is perfect cuz the Marlins needed a batter you look at it on like that and you're like wow the Marlins what a what a job great work they got their batter but if you look at what the twins got in return for luis arise this this deal was all twins Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. They get Pablo Lopez to be either the ace or the one behind Sonny Gray in their rotation, which is the piece that they needed. They had so many guys in their rotation, too volatile, too many many injury-prone guys. Pablo Lopez is going to go out there and throw 180 innings at least next year, and that's what the Twins needed, someone to eat innings. They also get a top 10 prospect in the Marlins system, a middle infielder that the Marlins had. That's great because they're going to need a middle infielder eventually. And they also get this 19 or 17-year-old stud from Cuba that nobody's heard of. And they got him out of nowhere. I mean, obviously, there's going to be years and years and years before we even see this guy come close. But they got so many pieces when I think a Luis Arias for Pablo Lopez straight-up trade would have been fine.
1: Yeah, the uh, the two prospects that go over to Minnesota in this deal, you have to sit back and wonder. the uh, The Marlins obviously had a plethora of pitching, so moving Lopez was a priority for this team to fill other gaps. It almost it's it's strange to me that the Marlins decided to go after a guy like Arias. To fill the gap, there, there wasn't really a gap at second base. His team is already a defensive liability all around. Not only the infield, but the outfield. And now you throw in a rise who we know he's very capable with the bat, but he's also a defensive liability and somebody who has had injury problems in the past.
0: Yeah, I, I think you talk about defensive liability, and I think that was a fact last year while he was playing first base for the Twins. I think he's a liability at first base. At second base where he's more comfortable where he came up, I think he'll I think he'll succeed a lot more at second than he did at first obviously last year. But you bring up an interesting point because this is something we've talked about with the Marlins before, a player that you you really like, who you think we've talked about you think they should give him a long-term contract and set, center their team around and that's Jazz Chisholm. Who is is their star second baseman? A guy who came up with the system and has been the face of that franchise for the past couple years. They kick him to center field after already moving him from shortstop to second base. He couldn't play shortstop; it was clear after his first year that he could not play shortstop. They move him to second, and now they're moving him to center because they gain a rise out of this deal. The guy's never played center field. Yeah, before. this
1: is this this is going to be interesting. This this deal's is either going to look unbelievable from a Marlins perspective, or it's going to blow up in their face and they're going to look like the biggest idiots in the league for doing this trade.
0: Yeah. And, and you talk about a guy like Chisholm, a guy like Chisholm who already has injury concerns. They took that pressure off of him when they, when they put him at second base, taking a little bit of the load off because he's not playing short anymore. And now they're just adding even more of a load on center field. You could argue is more of a load than shortstop. And it's. It's definitely more demanding on the body having to go go out for balls in the gap, slam against the fence trying to catch a deep fly ball. Like Jazz Chisholm has already shown that he is injury prone, and moving him to center field is not going to help that at all. If anything, it's going to hurt the Marlins. Again, I, I like that they, they added a bat, and they added a very good, consistent bat who is going to bat 300 every single year pretty much. But moving Jazz Chisholm to center field, I feel like you're getting negative defense at second base and now at center field.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a strange and, and for, for for the Marlins, it, this this almost this seems like a step in the right direction from just purely just making the trade. We knew that Lopez was a contender to be traded from August of last year. We knew this was coming at some point. Obviously didn't know when or what the deal was going to be made for. But th- again, this seems like a Marlins team who in recent years has made these trades and they've unloaded their farm system and reloaded their farm system multiple times. So it, it, it feels like almost this is a next step than a final piece to a larger puzzle for this Marlins organization, because there's a lot of questions surrounding building around the rotation for them, obviously, th- there needs to be more depth in that rotation before they go out and even look to compete. But now it almost seems like they're starting to feel like they're ready to compete by making a trade for a batting champion in this sense.
0: I think I think the thing with the Marlins is they have to add guys to compete. They they get a little break this year with the schedule being opened up and you play your division less because if that was the case, they would get demolished by every team besides Washington, obviously. So they get a little bit bit of a break there. But they have to add guys to compete. They they were the worst hitting team in baseball last year. They couldn't hit the ball. They had to add a bat. Their general manager, Kim Ang, I mean – She's not doing anything, and, and she goes out and she makes this deal. Finally, they they finally do something, and they've been looking for – everyone has been looking for Pablo Lopez since the deadline. I, I, he wasn't playing well when the deadline came, so he didn't get deal, dealt. Everyone thought he was getting dealt at the deadline, and he didn't. Everyone thought he was going to get dealt this offseason, and it took this long to get done, but it gets done. Do I think they gave – up too much yes do I still like the deal because they added a rise yes
1: yeah and I think this was a deal that the Marlins had to make this offseason I don't think you can go until July of this year before making another move or excuse me for making a move with Lopez Lopez is a guy who has dealt with injury issues throughout his career three times um, having a substantial stint on the uh, injured list due to shoulder strains so this is a guy who is very familiar with sitting on the sidelines and having only two years of team control. And with those injuries, teams in July might not be so quick to jump on the gun and uh, trade some, d- dish out some substantial prospects for this guy. I think if you're Miami, this is a a good deal for you. This isn't this is obviously not the best deal that you could have made, but for right now, this is a pretty fair swap between both sides.
0: It's a step in the right direction for both teams, honestly. Yeah, I agree.
1: And on on the Twins' end, like like you mentioned earlier, you're getting you're getting two prospects. One of them, who Chirio is not even eighteen years old yet, looks to be an absolute stud in the Dominican uh, summer league. Hit three forty four, four twenty nine, and four ten with a homer, nine doubles, nineteen steals, twenty five walks. In twenty-seven strikeouts and a hundred in two hundred and seventeen playing appearances, at seventeen yeah, they're, years they're, old, they're saying this kid is nuts. But he's just—he's far away. Right. He's probably three to four years for for you to even consider him being on a major league roster. Yeah. And then you have Salas, who's the other piece who commanded a two point eight million dollars signing bonus from the international pool when he was signed by Miami, who is the, he's now the fourth prospect in that system. So he, he heads over to Minnesota and from all the, the reports written on him, it still looks like he's, he's very raw talent who still has a lot of room to grow himself and polish himself off to be a big league shortstop. But these, but looking at this on Minnesota's side for a team who, just sign back Correa. Looks to be in contention immediately. I like how they went out and got a move short-term for two years of team control with Lopez, but also thought in more of a future sense by
0: getting guys who are two to three years out. I'm with you. I, I think L- Lopez having two years of control left is is huge because I do think they can re-sign him, and and that's huge for them. They can extend him. Having the two years of control is it's just so big, especially because they did just sign Correa to that deal. So they're trying to compete for the next five years. I like where Minnesota is now. I, we were talking about the AL Central before, and we were saying how it's the White Sox. It's probably going to be the White Sox. My concern was the Twins' pitching. They add Pablo Lopez. I don't know. I I, I kind of like the the Twins to win the AL Central. I I mean, they signed Correa. They, signed, they trade for Pablo Lopez. They they lose a rise, obviously, which is going to hurt them because now, obviously, that lineup has even more volatility. They don't have a rise to balance them out, really. But I don't know. Adding a guy like Pablo Lopez who can go out there and possibly eat up 200 innings next year, I like that.
1: I think if you're Minnesota's front office, I think you have to kind of continue a trend of a very positive off season. And I think you honestly might have to start thinking contract extensions for a guy like this, who's probably in a free agent market with kind of going, looking at historical stats for Lopez and looking at what he's done in the past. He's probably going to get around, what'd you say? Like ten, ten 10 a year AAV once he hits the open market.
0: Probably somewhere around there and we and don't know what vi- that
1: market's going to look like either. Right, right. So, but I'm saying as of now, I bet you can get this guy on like a 4, four or 5 year 50-60 million dollar deal, which would for for a team like Minnesota would be a pretty good contract.
0: I agree. And it's some and I think it's someone they need to lock down. Not maybe not an ace pitcher, but just a solid number 2 in your rotation. I think that's what they need. They need that stability and the the consistency that he can provide them.
1: So it'll be interesting to see what comes about in Minnesota for their rotation. I and I don't think they're done yet here either. I think you've I'm come sure this you've come this far in the off season. You've added an above average arm to the rotation. Looking at the looking at the Twins, they're just missing an ace right now to really round out that rotation and say like, this is a very this you could, if you add one ACE to this and I don't know who it is, Zach chime in. If you th- you could think of one who might be available for a trade, but you add like a, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like, for example, like a Kevin Gosman when he went to Toronto, like that kind of feel where it's somebody who can win a Cy Young and comes in yeah. to be the firm one in the rotation that kind of sets the tone for your team like don't fuck with us like our rotation's good now
0: yeah no i i see what you mean the the, the twins the twins they're go, they're gonna compete with without an ace they're go, they're obviously you know they're not gonna be up there with those elite teams like the mets and the yankees and but they don't need to. In the AL Central, they just have to be good enough, to be completely honest. They just have to be good enough to make the playoffs and then anything can happen. And I think they will be good enough. I think Pablo Lopez puts them up that much more to that they can absolutely win the AL Central this year. Absolutely. I think we talked about a lot on this podcast when we've talked about the Twins. We've talked about the fact that They just can't stay healthy, and that's been their problem in recent years. And I think that's going to make or break their season again this year. If this team can stay healthy, if they can get 120, 130 games out of Byron Buxton instead of 80, if they can get 140, 150 out of Carlos Correa, if Joey Gallo can have a bounce back year and throw it back to Texas Rangers days, this team could definitely be scary and and They should be the favorite to win the AL Central if that's the case. But we'll see. They haven't proven that they can stay healthy, and they haven't proven that they can be extremely consistent. So we'll see what happens with them. But it's a good trade. They got what they needed. They needed a pitcher, and I'm happy that they got him. The first name that, as soon as you started talking to me, or as
1: soon as you started talking, jumped out immediately, was Trevor Bauer. Like, why not take a chance
0: on him? I think that I think someone like Trevor Bowers, it would be a, great for them. Why not? He's cheap. He's going to be extremely cheap, and you just give him a chance. Start him in AAA. Give him a couple starts in AAA. If he doesn't pan out, okay, you're out seven hundred twenty thousand dollars. Big deal.
1: Yeah. No. Totally agree. There's no reason why Minnesota, and I'm sure they already have looked into the Bowers situation. Why wouldn't I you? Hope so,
0: yeah.
1: So Lopez, obviously, we're all on board. This is a good move for the Twins. Marlins side, it's a little more skeptical. We know what Arias is capable of. The defensive question marks around his game is something for me that worries me, given that the Miami Marlins are already a defensively abysmal team. We're talking might be the worst team defensively in the national league and now you're putting a guy in center field who's never played center field before at the major league level so i don't i don't really know what to make of it for miami but like i said this is this is either gonna they're gonna be geniuses for this deal or they're gonna look like absolute morons for this so that's how it goes
0: All right, let's get into uh, what we really wanted to accomplish this episode, Chris. For the next two episodes, we're going to be looking at burning questions that we have for the coming season. So today, I came up with six questions that I'm going to ask you about the upcoming season. Some about players, some about teams. I haven't told you anything about these questions yet. So I'm going you can in blind, them fresh, right off the bat. And then on Friday, you'll come back and you'll give some questions to me. So let's just get started right away. My first, first one. So in 2023, the top three players with the most RBIs in the league were Pete Alonso with 131, Aaron Judge with 131 as well, and Jose Ramirez with 126. Ramirez and Alonso also have the two most in the past three seasons. Aaron Judge is eighth on that list. Who has the most next year? Judge, Alonso, or Ramirez, or is it a different player? Damn, this is a good question. I think these guys, I
1: think immediately you have to look at the lineups that these guys are placed into. Judge... Man, it's going to be tough. Like I immediately want to say, Judge will probably have the most RBIs, but I honestly, I honestly think it could be Ramirez. Damn, this is this is going to be tough. Just because I like I like Cleveland's lineup, they're just they they hit for contact, they get on base all the time. I'm going to go Jose Ramirez and the Cleveland Guardians for this one. I think I Jose had 126 RBIs last year. And he, there's no reason why he can't go back for 100-plus next year. There's a little more question marks around the Yankees' lineup in terms of contact and getting on base, and I just don't know if Judge is going to be able to match the same season that he had last year. I think he'll still be in top five of RBIs, but I feel more comfortable picking Jose
0: for this one. I mean, I, I agree with you. H- Jose... Uh... When I was looking up for this question, I was I was on FanGraphs for like over an hour. Jose Ramirez, the last five years, has led the league in RBIs, and it's not even close, really. Yeah, and I wonder and what his and, uh... and he didn't he did it with some good Guardians teams. He did it with some not great Guardians teams. And the thing you're skeptical about all the time is is the lineup around them when it comes to RBIs. You can't get RBIs unless your team is good enough to get guys on base. And I think you're exactly right. The Guardians are table setters, and they know how to set the table, especially for Jose Ramirez. He's their guy. He was their big power hitter. They get a guy like Josh Bell now too, to power, to be power in that lineup as well. But I, I'm with you. I, I agree. I think it's Jose Ramirez 100%. I think he'll probably lead the league in RBIs. I think the closest that may come to him is Pete Alonso because I think the Mets lineup also has a lot of guys who are very good at getting on base like Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor. So I think Alonzo could be a very close second, but I'm with you on Ramirez. That's a good first question, Zach. I like that one. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm telling you, I was on Fangraphs for a long time. (laughs) Hit me me with number two. Number two. Last year, in the 2022 season, Sandy Alcantara led the league with 228 innings pitched. Eight pitchers also reached the 200 innings marked. Innings marked, excuse me. It was Alcantara, Aaron Nola, Miles Michaelis, Corbin Burns, Framber Valdez, Garrett Cole, uh, Merrick Merrill Kelly and Shane Bieber. How many pitchers do it this year? Hit 200 plus hit 200 plus innings. And you
1: named off how many names quickly? For, sorry from right there. Eight how pitchers.
0: Many? Eight pitchers
1: did it last year.
0: Do you want yeah. me to name them again?
1: Yeah. Go, go around one more time. Cause I think I already All have right. someone on this list who was injured. I've, I'm immediately before you go through, I'm going to I'm going to throw in and say uh if Walker Buehler I think he's expected to be fully healthy. He's not
0: on the list. He's not on the list.
1: Right, because he was injured last year. He hit two he hit 207 in 2021 when He is going uh, to be
0: injured this year.
1: Is he going to be injured this year? Yes. Are we sure he's not I'm fully 100% healthy? positive. Okay.
0: Can you uh repeat the list, sorry? Oh yeah, yeah. So the eight pitchers are Sandy Alcantara, Aaron Nola, Miles Michaelis, Corbin Burns, Framber Valdez, Garrett Cole, Merrill Kelly, and Shane Bieber. All over two hundred innings. No one besides Alcantara was over two hundred five.
1: Damn, this is this is tough because in an age where managers are so protective over their pitchers. It almost feels hard to bet against somebody throwing 200 innings. As soon as you hit that century mark on pitches, like you're getting pulled immediately. Gone are the days where pitchers are in command of a game. I mean, there's there's one game I could think of immediately this year. We had Max Scherzer on the bump in Milwaukee. He threw 6 Either perfect innings or no-hit innings. I don't even know if he had a base runner. He was already at 97 pitches, just coming off the the injured list. And this was a game that Buck pulled him immediately, and there was no thought. I, as a fan, was pissed, and I'm sure Scherzer was too, being the competitor that he is. It's just... There would be days, like I remember Johan Santana, 135 pitches for his no-hitter against the Cardinals. Like guys were going out there and tossing like, they were going going the distance and they were throwing a shit ton of pitches. Those days are over. I think it's hard to to say how many guys throw 200 innings next year. I'd like to say. I'll I'll pose it this way. Do you think it's
0: going to be more or less than eight? Because 8 did it last year. Do you think it'll be more or less?
1: Well, I'll play devil's advocate on that question. Do you think the elimination of the shift is going to result in less outs or more outs? I would say less. Okay. So then I'm probably going to say less than eight pitchers hit
0: 200 for next year. I would agree with you. I think it's going to be less because And, and, and sorry, you, what you, sorry, but I'm just saying what, what you brought up is why I posed the question is because managers are very wary of letting their guys go too long nowadays. Right. And Sandy Alcantara, 228 innings that led the league. But like I said, the closest to him was 205 and you're talking so, about a
1: guy in Alcantara who was shut down the last 2 weeks of the season exactly Probably and he was going out there in a way
0: he was going out there throwing complete games like it was like it was nobody's business and nobody was coming close to doing anything like that yeah but nobody else the, the closest was 205 after that and that was aranola and then everyone else was in between there was a couple 201s 203 202 but Guys just aren't throwing as many innings as they used to. We see, we have seen for the past couple years, managers have been starting to rely more on their bullpen. They want to go bullpen games. They want to bring in four different pitchers, one for every inning: sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. They only need their starting pitchers to go five innings anymore. When years ago, they needed them to go seven, and then they had two, two uh, a setup man and a closer, and that was it. The game is changing. It's not like that anymore. They want to use their bullpens more. I think guys are going to see – we're going to see guys throw less and less innings every single year.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And with relievers being more specialized now, I know Major League Baseball tried to take that out with implementing the the uh, three-batter rule for a pitcher where you got to face three hitters or the inning has to change. Yeah. Innings, are innings total innings pitched for a pitcher, a starter over the year is going to fall. And I think, like, I don't know in in the coming years with guys who are just so focused on coming out of the gate and throwing 98, 99, 100, like a lot of those guys are not going to hit 200. Like, the first person that comes to mind, a guy like Syndergaard, bursted onto the scene, they couldn't touch him throwing 100 and he would go 6, six 7 innings every time religiously. Yep. Now he's a guy who's sitting 95 96 94 who yeah, hitters he's have the found out pitcher
0: on the Dodgers.
1: Right, right. Who who, who hitters have eventually eventually everyone's going to catch up to the heat. He goes down with a with a lat and arm injury. Loses the velocity, now has to pitch completely different and not only does he lose innings, he was throwing he was throwing more innings when he was throwing 100. Now he's pitching to control in command, and he's throwing less now. He's maybe making it five innings in a start. So no matter if you're throwing gas or you're throwing for command, hitters are still going to hit the shit out of you in this league, and managers are going to turn to other options when those scenarios appear. And you even see that now. Like Rarely do you see a guy have a complete game. It's It's extremely rare. I would love to see how many complete games there were in 2022.
0: Look it up. I'll guess four. And I hope I'm not over-exaggerating, but I actually think there was not that many more than that, if there was. I'm trying to think of how many I can remember. I think Sandy had at least two or three. Ask me the next question while, while while I fact check this. All right, the next question, number three. This is number three, right? Yeah, yeah. So four teams last year won over a hundred games. That was the Dodgers, the Braves, the Mets, and the Astros. The Yankees won ninety nine, so I'm going to throw them in this in this question as well. Mm-hmm. Which teams fall out of that group? Which, one, which teams go higher or which teams go under 100 wins next year? The Dodgers, Braves, Mets, Yankees, and Astros.
1: Well, I think the Astros are going to win over 100 games. I think the Dodgers, for the first time in the last four or five years, I don't feel as confident as them hitting over over 100 wins. I think the Mets are set up well, bearing any crazy injuries, which is... With this team, it's likely to happen, so honestly, I would probably say under for them. Like, If Scherzer goes down or if Verlander goes down, this team, you're looking at 90s. If, they, if one of them goes down, you're looking, looking at a win total in the 90s. If both go down, we're looking at 80s. I like the Astros to win over 100. Braves to win over 100. The Yankees, I'm going to take to win over 100. The other teams, wow, I think, just really? have too many question marks. They're so like it feels like for the for a team like us, like the Mets, we have our eggs in one basket right now. It's always been pitching for us. It's always been pitching. We've always lived and died by our arms. In 2015, it, it took us on a ride. Like we had the young guns. We got a jolt with Cespedes in the in the middle of the season. And we went on a ride. Obviously, we the arms were the one to come back and bite us in the ass. So it's all going to be dependent on how on 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 the health of these teams. But looking at it from a pure baseball standpoint, I would say those are the teams that immediately jump off from I'm saying I'm confident in them winning over a hundred games.
0: Yeah, when you, when you talk any time about about win total, you obviously have to think about injury concerns but I think you're being a little harsh on on your Mets I'm not gonna lie I I I think you're being a little harsh for (sighs) for me for me personally for me personally yeah the Dodgers I agree with you I I see them going on under 100 wins for the first time in a couple years I think it's just gonna be a disappointing year for them and then the Braves I think they're going over 100 I think the Mets will go over 100 I think the Astros will go over 100 and i think the yankees will go under 100 but just barely i don't i think you're not putting enough respect on the back end of the mets rotation because i think even if you see a guy like verlander go down kodai sanga is i really think he's going to just evolve in the mlb and just and and just absolutely show his place and show why the Mets gave him the amount of money that they did. And honestly, I think he probably could have gotten more. Right. But this but guy, this is, this, this is all question marks. I have, I'm not going to make a
1: win total prediction based off of somebody who I've never seen face major league hitters before. That's where I'm coming from on this.
0: Okay. But he, again, even if you take him out, having Jose Quintana be your fourth pitcher in the rotation, I, I the the Mets rotation is the last thing I'm worried about the for the Mets,
1: the I'm last always th- worried about the rotation for the Mets. It's just a habit of being a fan of this team. You've seen, I've seen well, the story. I'm I way think you're too being a,
0: you're being a little hard on your team because it's your team. That's fair enough. You saw this team win 101 games last year without Jacob Degrom. So screw the rotation. Yeah, but in the They've wild, proven card they can series. do it without in the it. wild
1: card series. It felt like a we were an 80. Are we
0: team. talking about wild card? Are we talking about the wild card?
1: No, we're talking no. about win
0: totals. Yeah, okay, fair enough.
1: I'll uh, I'll settle down on the on the harsh criticism from the Metsies. Back to your original second question. I don't know why I said original second question. I did some quick math in my head, and I, Kodai Senga in the rotation just threw me off there for a second, but it's around <laughs> 40 complete games last year. 40? 40. That's,
0: I'm very surprised by that. But I'm not. I am. I guessed four.
1: Oh, 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 I thought I thought you were you were in in the, shocked in the sense that there should be more. No, no, no. I I
0: thought there you was going to be way
1: less. I thought there was way less. I'm looking at some of the names right now, like random names through a complete game. Like when do you remember Johnny Cueto throwing a complete game? I
0: didn't know Johnny Cueto could throw a complete game anymore. <laughs>
1: Here's a name who I thought would have more complete games. Nestor Cortez, one. I remember his one. Uh, Walker Buehler's on this list. He threw a complete game before he went down. Syndergaard threw a complete game, who I was shitting on earlier. Nick Pavetta. Random, random guy threw a
0: complete game.
1: But man, like you look at
0: the outlier on this list, Alcantara with six is crazy. Yeah, sorry. Exactly. No, it it happens more often than I thought. Didn't think it happened that often. Clearly, I'm. uh, Clearly, I don't know ball. My fault. I guess not. All right. Question number four. Question number four. So we know about the strong players that we have that play the position third base. We have some of the best third basemen in the world in the league right now. The the league is just full of great third basemen from Machado, Arenado, Devers, Riley, Ramirez. There's, There's so many. So just focusing on WRC plus last year. Yep. Three guys were very close in WRC plus. Austin Riley had a WRC plus of 142. Raphael Devers had a 141 and Jose Ramirez had a 139. Yep. Chris, who has the highest WRC plus next year? Austin Riley, Raphael Devers, or Jose Ramirez. For people who out there who might not know what WRC plus means, it's, it's basically, it's, it stands for weighted runs created. It's basically a, way better version of finding out if someone's a good hitter it's that's, essentially that's it. the offensive it's, war it is essentially a, saying how many runs, r- runs do you bring to the table so who has the highest wrc plus next year man this is a tough one
1: immediately and like this is just like such a, just a regular answer at this rate but Jose Ramirez is every year. It seems like we're talking about him. Like when is, when's, when is it going to be the year that Ramirez finally gets the MVP? But I think a lot of people are sleeping on Austin Riley. I think a lot of people don't really take him seriously in, in Atlanta and Atlanta did a great job with locking him up for the next 10 years. And he's a, he's a legitimate, legitimate, MVP candidate that people are not talking about. Zach,
0: agreed. And, Austin and Riley could legitimately win an MVP, and nobody's taking that seriously. If you look at the talent around him on the Braves, I think that's that's why people are like, don't really. They're like, whatever, Austin Riley. Whatever he's on the the best team ever, the Braves. But what this guy has done the past two season has just been incredible. He mashes the baseball and he's probably a top five defensive third baseman in the league as well. Yeah. So when you you bring all to the table, what Austin Riley does, it's hard. It's, it's hard to get beat out, honestly.
1: And the thing that a lot of people are that don't take into consideration is this guy is always healthy, man. He's playing every day, 160, 159 games. Like he's not missing a lot of games. I mean, the same could be said for Jose, but for a guy who is 26 years old, as opposed to Jose, who I think is turning 30 this year, and he's going into his age 30 season. So it's really, it's really taking a bet on overall for, for this, Zach, in my opinion, this is really kind of just betting on who's going to fall into the better chances with the offense. Who's going to have more opportunities with hitting with runners in scoring position, guys on base? I think on this one, I'm going to have to go Austin Riley. I think the Braves are the Braves are obviously the better team here. They have a lot more potential to to go out and put guys on base. Obviously, we talked about how great Cleveland is at getting on base and scoring runs, but I think. Like I, just, I, I think I'm going to hop on the Austin Riley stock now while it's low. And I, I think you're looking at a legitimate guy who in the next two to three years might snag an MVP. Yeah,
0: th- th- this is a tough one. Uh, this is a tough question, and I wouldn't blame you for saying any one of these three names. Me, my eyes go to Jose Ramirez immediately, and it, it, you might call me stupid or reading into too much about this, but Austin Riley and Raphael Devers both, both just signed very good extensions. I, I don't want to be that guy, but we've seen people sign extensions and not lose it, but they're obviously not going as hard as they would in a contract year. Just 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 something to put out, just something to think about, just something yeah. to think about.
1: I agree with that. So I
0: honestly would say Jose Ramirez for this question, but I'm asking the questions, not answering them, so it's okay. Next one. This next one's a tough one. All right. All right. This is number five, all right? I want you to rank these one-two punches, all right? These one-twos in rotations. Ready? Hit Hit me with it. You got Scherzer and Verlander, Burns and Woodruff, Castillo and Ray. Cole and Rodone and Nola and Wheeler. Five one, two punches for rotations. You got some really good ones here. Damn. What do you think?
1: That's that's tough. Uh shoot. This is tough, man. I think so. Hold on. Give me the teams real quick. Mets, Yankees, Phillies, Brewers. Who's the last one? Mariners. Mariners. Okay. Going to go Mariners 5 on this one. That's because you hate Robbie Ray. It's because I don't like Robbie Ray. (laughs) And, I mean, look, the guy won a Cy Young, so I'm not taking anything away from him, but. I just think, in comparison to the other talent on this list, it's you have to put them five. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, like I want to, I want to say, like, damn, damn, dude, this is tough. I'm going to say, and this is going to be a surprise to a lot of people. I'm going to say Brewers four. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Brewers four because i gotta I gotta look at Woodruff's last year because this is this is i mean this is a team who is they're so interesting because they should be good and they're really disappointing but more from an offensive perspective not a pitching perspective I feel like Woodruff is I mean, it's like a three 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 oh eight
0: so it's no i this this is probably the toughest question. I don't I don't know how like ranking these is any one of these one two punches would be any team would love any of them.
1: Okay, so I'm going to go Woodruff and Burns at 4. I'm going to go Verlander and Scherzer at 3. I'm going to go Nola Nola and Wheeler at 2 and I'm going to go Rodon and Cole at 1. mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: And I think for the Mets I, to be at three is a fair spot because, and that 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 could have been, to be honest with you, Zach, the Mets could could have either been three, one, or five on this list for me. I don't yeah. know where I really feel about this Mets rotation. You guys have
0: you have two it's pitches in so top hard. of your rotation pushing four. F- uh, 40, it's it's it, Yeah, that that that's what makes it so hard is is the injury concern because they're so old, but. I mean, we're talking about Justin Verlander, who just won a Cy Young last year. And you're talking about Max Scherzer, who competes for a Cy Young every year. Exactly. Like th- th- these guys are—they're old, but th- they're still—they're still fucking doing it, and and it's incredible. I th- I think for me, I would go Burns and Woodruff last, then Castillo and Ray, then I think. It's tough.
1: It's really, it's, it's, it's not an easy question. I, I think Nola,
0: I, I'm going to say Nola and Wheeler. And then I'm going to put Scherzer, Verlander and Colin Rodon. And I hate that I'm putting the Yankees first. <laughs> I Trust me. I don't love it either, but like, I, like
1: Rodon, R- Rodon has been, he's just so good. the best pitcher in the league.
0: Last and two I, years, and, and every year I like convince myself that Garrett Cole no good. I'm like, nah, he, he's fucking sucks. They like, got, I'm not worried about him because the Red Sox, cause he just sucks against the Red Sox. And that's when yeah. I watch him the most. But then I, then after the year I go and look at his numbers and I'm like, fuck, he was top five in innings and strikeouts and ERA.
1: Well, that's the thing with Garrett Cole is if you look at the larger picture, picture, obviously he's a great pitcher. But when you look at him in the, in the doses that it seems like the Yankees need big games out of him, And more often than not, it seems that Garrett Cole is coming up short in these larger scenarios where at the end of the day, of course, you want a guy to throw 200 innings, give you a 3-5 ERA, just giving you a chance to win pretty much every time you're going out there. But also with that $300 million contract, you're paying for a guy who's going to step up in these scenarios and be your lockdown guy. And more often than not, we've seen Cole collapse in those situations. Yeah. So it feels like Cole hasn't done a lot, but in the larger picture he's, he's, he's doing what he's been paid to do.
0: Yeah. All right. Last question. Last one. So last year, the four most shifted on batters in the league were Corey Seager, Kyle Tucker, Cody Bellinger, and Kyle Schwarber. Chris, you tell me who will benefit the most out of the banning of the shift next year.
1: Uh, the first two names that stood out were Seeger and Bellinger. Immediately that stood out. Belly is a guy who I think the shift and kind of the confidence of being in L.A. has just completely went down the drain for him. I think now that the field is going to be a lot more open and he doesn't have to worry about working the ball the other way, he can just do what he needs to do and pull the ball. I like him a lot better now than I did... 12 months ago. And I think that's the same you could say for Seeger Cause these are guys like all the names you just mentioned are all pull guys.
0: Yeah. So now natu- the, they're natural pull lefties all four. right. Right.
1: So it just feels like, and uh, did, did you mention Joey Gallo on that list? I'm sorry. I, I, no, I, I,
0: he's not on, the, he's not, he wasn't on the list. Okay. But th- that's he another is. guy
1: who it seems like it, you, it seems like you could write a whole report on who's going to, on who's going to benefit from the banning of the shift. Yeah. Because it really. Oh, Joey, Gallo
0: did, Joey Gallo didn't have enough at bats for the list I was listening okay, to. Okay. Fair at. enough. But it, just look at, if you look at the numbers, I, and I would love
1: to see um, the numbers on these guys when the shift is in effect. Like Corey Seager, 2016. Okay. Corey Seeger, 2016. I have he,
0: 2022.
1: Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Corey Seager in 2016 had the most at bats in his career, 627 ABs, and that resulted in a 308 average. He almost won MVP that year, top three in MVP voting, so was was a finalist that year for MVP. Yep. One so 16 and 17 wins back to back Silver Slugger awards, and then the batting average slowly starts to trickle down. 295 267 and then now we're all the way down at 245 bearing this is you did go to a different league in a new scenario so I know it's there could be some different factors that are thrown into that number but man it's like that's a pretty big drop from a guy who was hitting 306 the year before in LA and he did miss some time with an injury didn't play I think he played under 100 games that year but it sure seems like teams started to figure out that if you put a shift on this guy, he's not going to be on base as much.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think Corey Seager is just going to blast off this year without having the shift there. I, I think he's he's a guy that you've seen the power there. You've seen a, in a pretty you know average glove at shortstop, but you've seen the power. You've seen the hit tool. He has it. He has it but you've seen the average be at 240, 250. That's going to tick up to 270, 280 this year because of the shift being gone. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I think Corey Seeger's actually, no joke, in my player to watch out for, for MVP possibly this year. He's like my early watch player because I think he's just going to go nuclear this year with the shift being banned. This is a guy who last year was shifted on 92.8% of the time. Wow. 92% of the time. So having an open field, just be able to do whatever he wants. If he wants to go the other way, go the other way. If he wants to pull, pull. He's obviously going to want to pull. And this is a guy who was in the home run derby last year. He hit 30-some-odd home runs last year. He obviously has the power, and his hit tool just got even better now. I think Corey Seager is just going to go crazy next year. Yeah. One, one last thing before
1: we get into our uh, next segment, I totally think that in today's game, hitters have been placed at such a disadvantage. Pitching has gotten a lot better. Strikeouts have gone up. Home runs have gone down. The ball is apparently changing every week now. So, If baseball wants to move in the right direction, banning the shift is that direction. We need hits. We need more guys on base. And I totally agree with you, Zach, that in the American League where there's... I don't want to say the competition is not as strong as the National League, but the National League objectively has been stronger over the past few years. I think a guy like Seager, who is arguably a top 5, 10 player in the National League, when he was hitting his stride, brings that to the American League side. You're looking at a guy who can win MVP, and maybe Bellinger in Chicago, another guy who I thought would benefit from the banning of the shift, maybe we'll see
0: him return to some of that MVP form there. Yeah, I I hope to God he can refine his career in Chicago. I would love it. It would be a good spot
1: for him to do it too. All right, so do we want to move into our – can we say this is a new segment now that – is it still new, Zach? I I think it's still new, but it's officially a segment. It's officially a segment now. Not every week, but – Capital B bracket. Yeah. So this week we are doing the top eight fast food places according to devour.com. Now this is going to be it's going to be hard to pick each one because like we have some burger joints on here, we have coffee shops, Subway with sandwiches. So it's going to be difficult, but I'm I'm the way I'm going to judge this is I'm going to objectively say what would I rather have on an empty stomach? I I like that. I, that that's a good way to look at it. Because there's advantages to having Starbucks on an empty stomach or Burger King on an empty stomach. Like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So let me run get- through the list real quick. So the one seed in the first round, the one seed is going to be playing the the one seed McDonald's is going to be going up against the eight seed Dunkin' Donuts, the four seed Taco Bell against the five seed Chick fil A. The two-seed Starbucks against the seven-seed Burger King. The three-seed Subway against the sixth seed Wendy's. I think immediately, let's get it it started here. Let's get right into it. The one-seed McDonald's against eight-seed Dunkin' Donuts. I think this is easy for me. I think this is easy for me, and I think on the record i'm not afraid to say this dunkin coffee is shit
0: Duncan, Duncan dunkin dunkin coffee
1: shit. dunkin coffee is watered down what it's watered down what what do you call those things that make you shit like crazy why am i drawing a blank on this laxatives laxatives <laughs> dunkin donuts is watered down laxatives
0: are you are you trying to say that their coffee just makes you poop
1: yeah, I go in there and I get a caramel swirl every time, and it makes me sit on the can for the next hour. Well, this sounds like a you problem. I don't think but I'm the I, only one that has this issue, though, with Dunkin'.
0: Well, I'm with I'm with you that Dunkin' sucks, though. So it's McDonald's. I was in a Dunkin'
1: Donuts one time, and I got a bacon egg and cheese on a croissant. And you know how that, when, that decision? Okay, well just just hear me out here. It was I got it on a on a pit stop on a on a long drive. Because most of the times your options between those two are either McDonald's or Dunkin' it's in the Northeast True. on ninety five. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm getting my, I'm I'm watching them make my croissant, bacon, egg, and cheese, and I shit you not, this croissant comes out on fire. It I'm came fire. out on fire, and I see the worker turn around. Slap of t- slap the paper on top of it, put the fire out, throw it in the bag, wrap it up, toss it, saying your order's ready. Hey. So not his problem. Not his problem, but that took a hit for Duncan for me. I'm going McDonald's here.
0: Yeah. No question. The four seed
1: Taco Bell against the five seed Chick-fil-A.
0: I'm a huge Chick-fil-A guy, so my vote's for Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I'm going to go Chick-fil-A as well on this. There's just I'm like never... The, I, I'm, and I'm not a Taco Bell guy.
1: There's just never really an instance where I would pass up Chick-fil-A for Taco Bell.
0: Never. Unless it's Sunday.
1: Unless it's Sunday. Next up, the two-seed Starbucks against the seven-seed Burger King.
0: This is a tough one, honestly. Two
1: I'm going Starbucks.
0: I, I think I'm going Starbucks too.
1: I think I'm going Starbucks
0: as well. Yeah, fuck Burger Cheap. King. You know why? Do you know why? Do you know why? Why? Because Whopper, Whopper, Whopper Junior, Whopper. <sighs> fuck that shit. Oh my god, It's so annoying, dude. It's, it's, it's terrible. So I just, I'm never going to Burger King ever again. Okay, just but simply for that commercial,
1: we've we've had we've had. Some... Some Burger King, like after going out drinking, and like that one time we had it, Zach, it was unreal. Okay, but the, you can't count. I don't count anything. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, what I know where we're you're drinking. Going with this. It doesn't. It doesn't count. Okay, I'm going Starbucks on this. That was gonna be my decision, but like, it didn't jump off the page to me as McDonald's did with Dunkin'. I feel you. Okay, the last matchup in the first round, number three seed Subway against six Wendy's. You ever see the Subway about how they have fake tuna? Yeah, they fuck that. Fa- My fake, vote like, is everything. My yeah, votes it's Wendy's. Disgusting. My votes Wendy's. Jake, Wendy's. Are you going Wendy's on this one?
0: Yeah, probably four for four That's... can't be beat. It's, it's a, what a deal!
1: <laughs> what a deal! What a okay. deal! Love a place with a good deal. Semi semifinal round, the six seed Wendy's up against the two
0: seed Starbucks. I'm going Wendy's just for the deals. When you look, look at sure. when you look at I, uh, when I, you look I, at price matched with overall deliciousness, Wendy's just is no, no doubter. Starbucks is too expensive. Starbucks is see Starbucks has good coffee. And like but it's expensive coffee. It is, it's, Wendy's it is expensive. Wendy's has good everything
1: and it's cheap. I don't know if it's good
0: everything. Alright. That's true. But
1: the still. baconator is like really good though. Frosty? Frosty is really
0: good. Fuck. Baked potato. Come am switching my Wendy's. Okay. At a right. boy, kind of Jake. We're going Wendy's. All right, well, Wendy's yep, moves yep, on to the final. Yep.
1: All right, the one-seed McDonald's against the five-seed Chick-fil-A. Again, I'm a Chick-fil-A guy. But there's – I, 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 I don't want chicken. to try to fight for McDonald's here, but I feel like I have to try to at least let them have a second in my head to process chance Give them a fighting chance. Ugh. I don't I mean, think I that. mean, the the
0: single cheeseburger, like those two iconic McDonald's – I got to go McDonald's here.
1: Oh no, dude! I think I'm going. Just, oh to, I, God, God. I gotta go. I gotta go Chick Fil A. I can't lie to myself. Thank you. you. Chick Fil A is superior. It's just like McDonald's is just like it, it's just everywhere. It obviously, That's it always
0: cool. it obviously it's everywhere, and like it, usually when you have it, it hits the spot. But I feel like I can only eat McDonald's at like after the hour of like 10 p.m. Yeah, if I had McDonald's like during the day, it just doesn't feel right. Chick-fil-A, I could go get Chick-fil-A for lunch, like, and it would be delicious.
1: Yeah, Chick-fil-A doesn't really make me feel like shit after eating it, but like if I had McDonald's like on like a pit stop, it's definitely gonna make me feel like crap after I eat it. All right, so the finals round out to be the five seed Chick-fil-A and the six seed Wendy's. Wow, so this list by Devour got some is wrong is wrong it's got some flaws to it <laughs> oh this is a tough one actually there's a lot of different things you have to think about here like chick-fil-a is closed on sundays and it's like when that's do you what's want, me.
0: when do you want fast food the most sundays. probably probably sunday every time i think i don't think about chick-fil-a once monday through saturday as soon as the clock turns sunday I start thinking about it. I don't know why. I always only want it on Sundays. I think if you're
1: looking at this from a purely food standpoint, Chick-fil-A wins just because of their menu is smaller, but it has better options, if that makes any sense. I understand. But like Wendy's, you can can get a chicken sandwich. You can get a burger. You can get get a Frosty. You can get a Frosty. Do they, I don't even know if they do breakfast, but I know Chick-fil-A can, does breakfast.
0: Yes, dude. They have French toast sticks now at Wendy's. Oh. Never gotten them, but they look phenomenal. Damn, we might have to try the French toast sticks out. I'm going Wendy's. I'm going Wendy's. Screw Chick-fil-A. No, this is an easy one for me. This is Chick-fil-A. Oh, their shakes God. compete with the Frosty. Their, oh, their I about shakes. No, that's the thing is the shakes, but... But they're not open on Sundays, Jake. Okay,
1: let me, let me pose it as this.
0: If you walked
1: in and you had no idea what you wanted to eat, would you be pissed off that you didn't have the option? Like, let's say you didn't know anything about Chick fil A. You didn't know anything about Wendy's. Would you, if you walked into Chick fil A, would you be kind of pissed off that, like, it limited you to only chicken? Kinda. I would, like, if you had no experience of the two, like, if you were just objectively looking at the menu,
0: I'd be pretty pissed that I was limited to just chicken. I'm kind of with, dude. That's what I'm saying. It's Wendy's. I think it's Wendy's. But now, but oh, but now, but, but I, I think if Chick Fil A, so. if Chick Fil A was open on Sunday, I would have no problem saying Chick Fil A. But it's killing me that they're all only open six days a week.
1: I think I'm going to go Chick Fil A on this, but I don't think it's an easy choice. So I'm going to say Chick Fil A just because of how good the food is for fast food standards. I can be okay with that decision. So Chick Fil A wins. So we're putting Chick Fil A through. Chick Fil A is the second winner.
0: Who was the first winner? What chip was it? Oh, wh- uh, um, sa- sour, sour, cream sour cream and onion. Sour cream and onion. Sour cream and onion, Lay's, and Chick Fil A are two winners. Those are some good winners. Those are some good winners. Are we fat? Uh. Are we fat? Uh, probably.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. We're it's right. it, it's it's, right. it's it's time we accept the fact that it's time to just get old and get fat.
0: All right, I'm in.
1: Should we get into some uh, picks, do some roulette, and uh, send the viewers
0: out for the uh, remainder of the week? I think that sounds all right to me. Let's get into some picks. By Riverside. All right, so we got picks for Tuesday, January twenty fourth. Got some interesting games. Obviously, you know we're probably going to go with a lot of college basketball. I'll get us started off first with a college basketball pick. Number five, Kansas State. Taking on number 12, Iowa State. At Iowa State, Iowa State is minus four and a half. I will be taking Iowa State minus four and a half. Kansas State just moved up a lot in the power rankings. I think Iowa State is just going to take control in their home court. I think they'll take control of Iowa's, of Kansas State early and they'll stay ahead. I like Iowa State minus four and a half. I am switching up my sports for the first time
1: maybe in this pick segment. I know I've done basketball mainly on the beginning of the week, but I'm switching up to hockey for Uh-oh. the first time. I am taking the Arizona Coyotes. The Yotes. I'm taking the Yotes, baby. I am taking them. No way. I'm taking the minus 135 (laughs) against the ducks tomorrow night, or I guess tonight. uh, If you listen to this on Tuesday uh, against the Anaheim ducks, they're playing on at home on ASU's campus. We're talking about two teams who are at the bottom of the the barrel right now in the conference. Both teams are looking to find their stride. Anaheim's dropped uh, four out of their last five, uh, The Coyotes, pretty much the same story, winning two out of the last five. So I'm taking the home squad on this one. We are a Coyotes podcast, so go Yotes.
0: Jake? That was my pick. Um, (laughs) But I I did have another game I liked as well, but I I will take credit if that wins, if it loses. It was my pick. Uh, I'm going to go with the Red Wings against the Sharks. They're also at home. They're minus 150, a little less juice. But uh, I think the Red Wings get it done. Dylan Larkin gets it done at home. I still think think there's enough juice there. There's always enough juice in the fridge. As long as there's juice, we're good.
1: As long as it hasn't expired, we're we're great. Well, of course. Nobody wants expired juice. Uh, Do you check the sell-by or the expiration? Expiration. Right, but isn't there like... Some things can be stretched out a little longer. Like, I, I've had like i uh, I've had a, uh, like some, like Tylenol and shit like that
0: that has an um, expiration Chris, date that. What? You probably shouldn't be taking expired drugs. Tylenol? I don't know. Is that bad? I don't think so. I think you can, I think you
1: can, I think that's just a recommendation. How did we
0: get from juices to Tylenol? I don't know. I'm just thing
1: shit that you can take past expiration like are you okay expired milk is obviously like gross but there's a lot of things you could probably lean on there's some things that you could expand with is what i'm saying like you could you could push things out a little further with the exception of
0: like liquids okay thank you for your background on expiration dates Anytime, I'm here. <laughs> All right, so roulette. Let's get into it. All right, so the random number today was seven, and if you've been watching the episode episodes every week, you know that we obviously have not won roulette spin once yet, and I think today might be the day. So we're gonna put three dollars on number seven, and here we go. We're doing. We spinning. We're spinning eight oh are you fucking kidding me?
1: that's three times in a row where we've gotten the number right next to it fucking kidding every me.
0: single time we either get the number that's right next to it on the wheel or we get the number that's just right like seven or eight like that's so fucking stupid god damn it we're getting trolled at this point that actually pisses me off I'm so tired of this it's going to hit eventually. It? It's going to hit eventually. You just got to keep faith. You're right. We got to keep faith. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out today. Great episode today. We will see you guys on Friday, this Friday. We will have another episode. Chris will have his questions for me for the upcoming 2023 MLB season. So looking forward to that on Friday. Again, follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube at the Talk Off Pod. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out, and we will see you this Friday.
1: You're one day closer to opening day than we were yesterday. Love you guys.